InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A research study into rising water rates shows that millions of us may one day be unable to afford plain tap water. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey talks to an expert for the facts you need. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Elizabeth Mack, an assistant geography professor at Michigan State University. She recently conducted a study of water affordability in America. Let's start with exactly what you were looking at in your study, because I think when many people think of water affordability, they're thinking of bottled water, but that's not what you were examining. Right. The impetus for this study was trying to answer a very simple question. Can people afford their water? And when I posed this question, people thought, well, this is a little bit ridiculous. Of course people can afford their water. So the paper looks not only at that question, but it also looks at whether we're going to be able to afford water in the future. And the answer is perhaps no for a large portion of people. You believe your study has some quite serious results. The terms burgeoning crisis have been used in headlines about your findings. So tell us what you found. Well, what we wanted to do was find out what does a household of four consuming an average amount of water, which is about 12,000 gallons per month, so if each person in that household consumes 100 gallons per person per day. And I want to highlight that at first, this seems like a very big number, but if you think about flushing your toilet, how many times you do that per day, that alone can use per flush between 1 and 10 gallons of water, depending on whether or not you have a water-saving toilet installed in your home or at work. So that was sort of the baseline, using that 12,000 gallons per month as how much water people are using. So we calculated the per unit cost of water, and we said, okay, here's the average water bill based on this amount of consumption. Now let's look at EPA's affordability criteria. So for combined water and wastewater services, the EPA recommends that that should consume no more than 4.5% of median household income. If your water bill accounts for more than that percentage of your income, then it's considered unaffordable. So that was our baseline for determining whether or not water was affordable for people. And we said, all right, let's take a look at the distribution of median household income across the U.S. We have our average water bill that we have computed. Let's find out who can afford it and who can't. And so based on water rates collected from the American Water Works Association, they have a sample of water bills from, I believe it's about 300 providers. We found out that about 13.8 million households, which is 11.9% of all U.S. households in the continental U.S., could be facing affordability challenges. How much is the average water bill? Well, it varies a lot. Atlanta and Seattle have some of the most expensive water. That's about $300 a month for a family of four. In other parts of the country, it's much cheaper. And actually in the West, where water is more scarce, in places like Phoenix and Las Vegas, water is much cheaper. And so I think they pay about $90 a month. So in California, for instance, drought is driving a lot of the costs associated with rising water prices. In many parts of the country, they're trying to fix a lot of this infrastructure. The infrastructure around the country is very old. A lot of press recently has gone out about collapsing bridges. And the same applies to our water infrastructure, although that's received somewhat less attention. Some studies have estimated that over the next 25 years, it's going to cost about a trillion dollars to replace all of these World War II-era water systems. How has shrinking populations in some of these major cities across the country affected water rates there? That's another trend that's specific to the industrialized portions of the country. Not only do they have this rising cost of infrastructure, but they have people leaving central city areas. How water is priced for public providers, that is, is it's priced at cost recovery. And so they say, all right, we're going to take the cost, the fixed cost of providing this service to everybody, and we're going to divide it up by the number of people to which we provide service, and that's how much people pay for water. 
But when you have fewer people to pay for that large fixed cost, then the amount that people pay per person goes up. And so that's what's happening in Detroit. You have rising costs because of rising infrastructure costs, but then you also have fewer people to pay for these rising rates. Our guest on InfoTrack is Professor Elizabeth Mack from Michigan State University, and we're talking about her study that raises concerns about how affordable ordinary tap water may be in the future. So this issue is more complex than simply assuming that poverty rates are the top factor when it comes to affordability. That's absolutely correct. So in this study, we said, okay, this is sort of a vulnerability assessment. What could this look like in the future? What might it look like right now? It's not just a function of how much people are making, but how much costs are rising. And so really, if you're in an area where the costs aren't rising very much, but people can't pay, that's not so bad. If you're in a place where costs are going up a lot and people's incomes are somewhat lower, then that's where the situation gets critical. Professor Mack, you've referred to your concerns about the future. It sounds as though you expect that gap between incomes and water costs to continue to grow. That's right. Something I want to highlight, too, about a cost piece for you to the future is that um, a lot of people say, well, people just need to make trade-offs in terms of, you know, their water bills going up, so they might take away expenditures from going out to eat or gaming or movies or what have you to pay for rising water bills. And that's certainly true, but if you can imagine these very low-income households and in poverty, poverty-level households, that ability to make trade-offs is, is very small. And so you're asking those people to take money from essential goods and services and use it to pay for water. So what might this look like moving forward? Using some information from Circle of Blue, they have two estimates that are fairly conservative if you look at the press on what water rates might look like in the future. And so we explore two scenarios in the paper, rising water rates at 6% increases and then 41%. And so some studies have said that over the last five years, water rates have gone up by about 41%. And we say, what might this do to the affordability of water for households? And that's where we get a little bit larger number in terms of who can't pay. So instead of about 13.8 million households that could be facing affordability challenges, that number goes up to 40.9 million households if water rates go up by 41%. So if you're given the opportunity to make changes to make water more affordable in some of these harder-hit communities in particular, what would you do? I think one of the first pieces to look at is how water rates are structured, because this is really important for looking at affordability across different household income levels. Water rates that have a very high fixed component penalize lower-income households more so than high-income households. We know that higher-income households use more water than lower-income households. A large portion of the bill that deals with varying water use is better for lower-income households. And so some water utilities are giving this rising cost infrastructure. They're raising that fixed portion of people's bills. And so that's something that I think needs to be looked at first. How are rates structured and how does this impact different household income levels? The other thing I think we need to look at, too, is protections against water shutoffs. And so in some parts of the country, there are protections for vulnerable populations. These are the elderly children, pregnant women, and the disabled. So there are protections in place to prevent having their water shut off for affordability reasons. But in other parts of the country, there is no such protection. And so I think at the state and even federal level, we need to start thinking about some policy guidelines, both about affordability, who qualifies for maybe water assistance payments, and also establishing some wider protections against water shutoffs to maintain access to this very basic service for folks. If someone who's listening to this is struggling with paying a water bill, what advice would you offer to them? I would contact their local utility to see if they could not renegotiate payments 
that's one of the things they've encouraged people to do in Detroit is call your local utility and say, you know, can I set up some sort of alternate payment structure in order to pay my bill and prevent service from being shut off? I'd say that's sort of the first thing to do for folks. And the other thing, if, if you know, they want to see this legislation be enacted at various levels of government is to start calling your local representatives and kind of weaving this into the discussion with them. You know, we think this is really important. How can we work together to begin to address this problem? Professor Elizabeth Mack, an assistant geography professor at Michigan State University. Thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.